0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Grease the Wheels. I'm your host Uncle Jimmy and today's technician oriented podcast is going to be about some of the more savage parts of our industry and how they do not follow the laws of supply and demand. Now if you're not familiar with them, I'll give you the definition. The supply and demand is the amount of a commodity product or service available and then the desire of buyers for and that takes into account a lot of different factors which regulates its price. You got a lot of demand, but very little supply, the price is gonna be higher. Vice versa, if you have a lot of something and nobody wants it, guess what? It's cheap, okay? Now, as it applies to technicians, ladies and gentlemen, we, as technicians, are the commodity, okay? What that means, we are the end supplier of service, okay? Everyone else involved in that process where we work on their cars, they're subcontractors, okay? Whether they're service advisors or service managers or shop owners. They're not involved with fixing the cars. They're not the end suppliers. And the real product here is that we repair cars. And that's what our customers want. They don't want a service advisor. They don't need a service manager. They need us, and we are the supply. Because nothing, nothing happens without us. Now, let's look at some numbers real quick. I know you don't really like to deal with math and neither do I, but we're gonna look at them anyway. Overall, there are an estimated 263 million and change cars registered registered in the United States, okay? And that was as of 2015 because, you know, it's very hard to compile a number like that. So we're talking about 263 million plus cars in the US, okay? Now, that number, along with the average age of vehicles has increased steadily since 1960 what that means is more and more people have cars more and more people are driving and this has actually been because uh, more and more people are moving away from the city and away from where they work and they need to drive to work and a lot of times they leave a spouse or maybe just a girlfriend at home and guess what they're going to want a car too so that has helped increase the number of vehicles on the road but 263 million that's That's a lot of cars, and of course when you have that many cars, it just increases the number of everything that goes along with cars. You need more roads, you need more other complementary goods, and of course you need more guys to fix them. That covers the demand side. Now on the supply side, as far as we are concerned, there are approximately 750,000 auto technicians working in the United States, that is of course according to the US government. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Boy, what a bunch of nerds that sounds like, right? But uh, they did a little quick and dirty math and we figured out that that's about 351 cars for every technician. So boys, get your tools out and get cracking because we got a lot of work to do. Look, there's just not enough technicians. That's basically what it comes down to. And that really doesn't even account for cars that aren't even on the road. We're talking about like the project that your neighbor has in his garage or maybe the project that you have in the backyard or even race cars or restorations or cars that are a body shop, cars that aren't registered. You know, the cars in the impound yard, cars in the junkyard. There's just millions of cars out there, millions of them. And they're all begging for you to come along and make them right. And the people who own them, they're begging for that too. That's where the demand is, okay? That's where the demand is. As far as the supply goes, you know, I mean, it's it's Ben Stein kind of stuff, you know? It's like economics 101. So that's the end of the Ben Stein shit. So needless to say, you and I, the technicians of the world, we are in great demand, and we should be in great demand, and we are actually in great demand, because tech schools, you've seen these kids, tech schools are not keeping up. And even when I went to tech school, I saw kids that I knew in my mind, They were not going to be working on cars in a couple of years. They're going to have massive student loan debt from being in tech school. Well, not as massive if they got like a liberal arts degree from one of the Northeastern colleges, but still they're going to have some debt and they're going to be trying to satisfy that debt by asking people if they want fries with that or if they're, you know, looking for the return desk at Walmart, you know. One of the things that stands in the way of a lot of tech school graduates is that a tech school. Can't sell a student experience, and that's where we come in, and that's where uh, we should be adequately compensated. Is for our experience. You know, sometimes you see a car, and you don't even have to, you don't even have to touch the car. You don't even have to see an RO. You don't even have to go near that car. You know instantly what's wrong with it. That. That's that's experience. And and boys and girls, you and I, we are not getting paid for that. That's something that we don't get paid for. And that's, it doesn't even, it's not even really a part of this whole conversation that we're having, but the experience that you have makes you as the supply to this enormous demand much more valuable. Now, here's the problem, okay? Usually when the demand is high and the supply is low, the price goes up, we talked about that earlier. But we know better that it that in this particular instance, that's not really true. But uh, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But what we want to talk about right now is who is actually working on their cars. Okay. Now it used to be back in the day, and I'd say you know starting 1960, if you had a 1960 automobile and you were a reasonably intelligent individual, you could put on fan belts and you could change the spark plugs and maybe you know change a spark plug wire or maybe even set the points. But the car and the customers have changed literally a thousand percent since then. And you can no longer do those sorts of things yourself to a car because, well, basically those components just don't exist anymore. Now when we talk about today's contemporary DIY crowd, when I say DIY, you know what I mean? It's do it yourself because it's cheaper. I know how to do it. Those people have a tendency to make a real mess out of what they drive. And a lot of times we have to sweep those messes up but uh, people used to work on their cars all the time and they enjoyed a fair amount of success but let me tell you something since about 1980 those days are over really just everything is computerized and the mechanicals are somewhat the same but i mean you don't have kingpins on a brand new bmw they, they don't have those okay the ball joints have you seen a zerk fitting in the last 15 years i saw one the other day but i was working on a 70s oldsmobile so you know it's just everything has changed but you know as is technically innovative and as advanced as the new automobiles are it doesn't stop people from trying to work on them themselves and the auto parts stores in this country at least the ones where everyone speaks English, are trying to conjole you into working on your car yourself. And this is just because, well, they have the parts and they have the tools, and if you give it the good old college try, they'll uh, they'll sell you all that stuff. And uh, maybe later on, if it doesn't work or if you put it in wrong or you've just basically fucked it up, they'll take it back. Maybe, I don't know, It's sometimes they don't. Sometimes electrical items get taken home, installed, and then returned because, guess what, they didn't fix the problem because they don't know how a code reader really works. This is something that we have to deal with on a a regular basis. I get a lot of cars brought in on a flatbed where stuff was done by the owner, and guess what, he did it all fucking wrong. (laughs) I know that uh, a lot of us have seen the memes and the posts on Facebook sites where somebody put their goddamn brake pads in backwards. I've seen so many that I don't, you know, I just go right by them and I'm like, yep, there's another one, there's another one. If I was to keep count, I'd have to have somebody help me with that because I can't really count that high, so. You know, the auto parts stores, they're trying to stay in business and, and if they're not selling to commercial accounts, they have to try to sell to you. And if you don't know what's up, they don't, really honestly care that much about that one of the things i'd like to do now if you don't mind is if you're out there and you're listening to this and you've got one of those great stories where a customer did something to his car and it didn't work out at all and he had to bring it to you on a flatbed and have you straighten it out i'd like to hear those stories i'm going to be bringing you the uh the uh email address and the twitter account for the for this podcast at the end of the show if you would hit me up with what you got because i need a good laugh especially today um i I like to hear about other people's tales of carnage if you will so hit me with your best stuff okay so now back to the supply side or as i'm talking to you i'm talking about you and me we are the supply side one of the things that that we have trouble with is uh, finding guys that have experience and or new guys that don't have experience, and we have to kind of sort them out. Um, what I have found in my experience, personally, is that uh, new guys have no experience, they have no knowledge of how things really work, and they've been built up and told how, thing, how much money they should be paid, you know, if they were any good at all in tech school. And uh, the tech schools are just churning these morons out like Play-Doh out of a fun factory, and, and a lot of times they're, just about as smart as said extruded Play-Doh. So, um, and we have to sort them out, unfortunately, as the technicians who actually fix the stuff and then sometimes refix the stuff that they tried to fix. Now, in my experience, I found that about one out of five new technicians actually shows some kind of promise, some kind of uh, a spark where they might know what they're up to, where they might know how to do something. Uh, I've just had mind-numbing experiences with guys who honestly couldn't fix a sandwich. I mean, literally, they would cross-thread the cap on their toothpaste in the morning, and it's just terrible, you know. And then the one guy that you find who has, you know, like this little inkling of what he's doing, and it—he he finds out in the first couple, two, three months that this, this job really kind of sucks. I mean, you and I, we do it. And we know how bad it can be, we know how good it can be, and we like doing it in most cases. Some sometimes we don't. But it's it's a physically demanding job. It's it's mentally taxing. I mean, I come home sometimes, the head's throbbing, the my feet hurt, my knees are sore, my fingers are you know, I have carpal tunnel like like the Holland tunnel. It's just it's goes on and on and on. And and the other thing is when you're a technician, when you're a mechanic in the shop, you're gonna get dirty. Okay. Now I found that a lot of millennials, these are children who have been raised within the last 20 years or so. Uh, they typically don't want to get dirty. You know, they want to, they want to get a nice cushy IT job, drive an electric car to work, drink an $8 coffee in the morning and wash down their $7 avocado toast with it. You know, it's like, they're not going to want to get dirty they want to wear a tie to work but only if it's trendy and and they want to hang out at the you know trendy bars at night when they go home and you know eat fruit and salad and stuff like that they're not men they're not they're not the kind of guys who go in and with a wrench and and fix stuff you know um the job's not for everyone we 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 know that you and i both know that we know that it's very difficult to find somebody who would even want to do it and there's so many challenges to overcome even if we know what we're doing. So now, as technicians, you and I both know why the supply is so low, it's just not the greatest profession in the world. It, it's a profession I love very much, but uh, I think a lot of other people don't really love it. Um, the part that doesn't make any sense to me though, and I would love it if someone would explain to me, is why if the demand for our services as technicians is so high, why is it that we are paid so shitty? Why is it that everyone wants to steal our services? I can't even tell you how many times people want me to fix stuff for free. it It's actually mind numbing. It really honestly causes me a migraine headache to have to deal with people who think for some unknown reason, whether it's because we share DNA or because we're friends, that I'm just gonna fix their shit for nothing. This is not gonna happen, okay? And I think it's a universal feeling also that, that we really feel underpaid. Especially, you know, as a technician, you work in a shop and they have a labor rate. And the labor rates these days, they're mind blowing to me. I mean, $125 to $150 an hour, some are higher. I've seen some that are a lot higher. I've seen also, too, some labor rates that go up in scale depending on how many hours is quoted on a particular repair order. And as a technician, you know, you don't even have to be very good at math to, to know that the percentage of the money that you earn from that is not good. It's it's low. And as the guy who actually does the goddamn job, my feeling is, and I'm pretty sure you, a lot of you share this feeling, is that we should get paid more. I mean, that that's where the value is. The value is in it is in what we do, it isn't in the service manager sitting in his fucking office drinking coffee, or the service advisor trying to figure out how he can get one of the technicians to fix his mother's car for free. No, there's none of that. You know, I mean, obviously we're not paying the rent, and we don't pay for the heat and and the utilities, and we don't have to buy the equipment, and sometimes there's tools there that we need that they bought, but for the most part, we bought our tools, and we paid, for our experience in blood, sweat, and tears, and we're not getting paid for it. And one of the reasons is just because whenever uh, some accounting geek comes along and says, oh, you know, this business could make a whole lot more money if you do this, this, and this. And the first thing, the number one thing, and this is the first thing that every accounting asshole learns when they go to accounting school, is that the way to keep costs down is to trim payroll. And what that means is less money for you and me, the guys who actually do the work. And so that's that's part of the problem I have with some of the people who own shops and run them and some of the other people who advise them on how to do that and that gets me to a very pointed point in this podcast and that's why the podcast is called grease the wheels because sometimes you have to tell your boss you have to tell your service manager hey guess what I'm fucking out of here I'm greasing the wheels on my toolbox And I'm rolling it over to a shop across the street, across town, or even across the country where they're gonna pay me more, okay? Because at the end of the day, what do I have? Achy joints, dirty fingernails, and money in my pocket so I can buy the things I want or pay the bills for the things I've already gotten that I wanted but probably don't want anymore. So that's that's the nuts and bolts of it right there, folks. So what I'm trying to say, boys and girls, is that we have the power, you and I, as the technicians, as the suppliers, as the people who satisfy the demand. Because we're the only ones who could actually do the job. Everyone else is just sort of a, a subcontractor, you know, people who stand around and, and do other things besides fix a car, you know. And, and I, because I have, I've worked for service advisors who were worthless, who couldn't fix a fucking sandwich. And I've had shop owners and shop managers who are just basically mouth breathing morons. These guys can't do anything. How they get their jobs is beyond me. A lot of times, I find that uh, service managers and 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 even general managers typically have the last the same last name as the people who own the building. So there's that, you know. But on on the flip side, I've also worked with some some service managers and advisors who are really really good. Really, two reallys. I. I Let's, let's not get carried away, okay? They're really good. There's just one really in there, okay? Most of the time, uh, the service managers I work for, and this seems to be I'm in like I'm in like five in a row that are so brutally inept that there's literally no situation that they can't make worse. And uh, but that's that's actually a, a story and a and a subject for a future. podcast. Okay, now uh, I wanted to talk to you about a way to get around who gets paid for what you do. And that's a brand new sponsor of ours called Surfrench. Now these guys are freaking awesome, okay? They have figured out how to make sure the right people, you and me, get paid for fixing the cars. What they did is they came up with a web app where people post what they've got wrong with their car and then you as a technician, you go in and you just bid on it. They select you, you go over to the house, you figure out what's wrong, you give them an estimate, Booyah, you fix it, guess who gets paid? That would be you. Nobody else. You don't have some monkey in a the parts department with his hand in your pocket. You don't have a service advisor who's gonna stand around drinking coffee asking you why you haven't done it faster. No, it's all you. And it's gonna work great, okay? Because I talk to these guys and they don't even charge for this service because they are communists or something like that. No, really, seriously, they make money when We buy parts through their advertisers, and that's cool. Just as long as we don't have to pay. Okay, so now I would like to wrap up this podcast and just remind you that you, as the technicians, are very valuable and in very high demand all over this country, okay? So don't let anybody undervalue you. Don't let anybody undervalue you. Ask your boss for a raise, and when he says no, grease the goddamn wheels and get the hell out of there. Because for every technician, there's five vacant jobs for him, okay? And you can do better. I know you can, okay? Now, we really value your input. Here at Grease the Wheels, okay? What we want to do is we want to hear your input. We want to hear the good, we want to hear the bad, we want to hear the funny. I think we especially want to hear the funny. I I, I know I do. Um, so hit us up at grease the wheels podcast at gmail.com. That's grease the wheels podcast. At gmail.com let me know what your opinions are let me know if you like it if you hate it or you know whatever's on your mind go ahead we'll, we're listening uh, we're on Twitter as well and Facebook at grease the wheels couldn't be any simpler than that. grease the wheels of course as a technician you know it stands for getting the fuck out of the where you are now and going somewhere else maybe even home okay so hit us with your DIY stories where you came in and saved the day like some sort of superhero okay and uh, let us know especially the ones that make us laugh because that's what we like okay and as always thanks for listening i'm your uncle jimmy signing off for grease the wheels